Welcome to the Signal Line Remote Viewing Podcast, a podcast owned and run by Daz Smith from RemoteViewed.com, the resource for everything remote viewing. This podcast is dedicated to sharing remote viewing related interviews, views, news, resources, and much more. Hi, and welcome. Today's podcast was recorded on 26th of November 2021. It's a community remote viewing discussion with Dick Algar, one of the people behind the HRVG, the Hawaii Remote Viewing Guild, remote viewing methodology. I've known Dick myself for many years now. We've worked for at least a decade on projects together, and for the last four years in our project called Crypto Viewing, which is using experimental techniques to try to predict crypto markets. Uh, I consider him a great friend, and it's fantastic to have him on board this evening to discuss the HRVG methodology. So let's go into a bit of a background on Dick here. Dick Algar was a television newcaster for 34 years. In 1996, he became interested in remote viewing, and he trained at SRVG at the Farsight Institute. He learned from Ed Dames and studied TRV also. Dick also studied the CRV manual, and in 1997, he began in-classroom training with the Hawaii Remote Viewer Guild. That weekly in-house training lasted 18 years, and the research and development continues to this day. Dick is probably the most published remote viewer in the world. Not that he is the best, but in terms of showing actual work performed under blind conditions, there are literally hundreds of examples of printed and videotaped published sessions. Dick has been a featured speaker and master of ceremonies at numerous IRVA conferences. His presentations included a method for determining location in remote viewing, an introduction to consensus analysis, an introduction to the HRVG method, masking and entrainment, and a message to the past. Dick is currently a full-time paid professional remote viewer for crypto viewing. I hope you enjoyed tonight's presentation. Take care and see you soon. Excellent. Well, I let most of the people in, Dick. Uh, I know we get some stragglers, so what I'll do is I'll uh, I'll let them in as they come. I see Niams here as well, and he's another HRVG. Is he a student of yours, Dick? Uh, by the way, I think he yeah. Naim was working with Courtney Brown, and uh, was very curious about remote viewing. R- really wanted to learn it. And Courtney introduced me to Naeem and he asked me a couple of really good questions. So I said, Hey, I'll just teach you, you know, and we got on like Skype. And so I gave him some lessons. He's doing really well. Yeah. I, I hear Dennis Nappy did really well on the uh, UFO Tic Tac. Yeah. I gotta, I gotta go look at that. Yeah, we did a good one there. Uh, Carl, who's here as well in the, in the room there, she's the one who tasked us the target. It's uh, yeah, some very interesting data all around, I think, on that one. Very good. Well, we've got 35 people in at the moment. And for those people that are new, um, what we do here is you can ask questions by putting your hand up using the reactions window at the bottom or reactions button i should say and if you're a bit shy and you don't want to speak feel free to try to type something in the chat window and one of us will pick that up and try to ask that for you 
Um, but we wanted to get Dick along tonight, Dick Hauglar, uh, because he's the main, uh, not teacher of HRVG, but the main person using it at this moment in time. Uh, and Naeem is, is using it as well. Uh, it's, I think maybe Sita might be coming along later. Might she, Dick? She's teaching it right now. Yeah. Yep. Sita's doing a class right now. I've got that uh, um, whatever cold you had a couple of weeks ago. My voice is going bad. So you will see me hit my mute and then cough furiously from time to time. So please bear with me. Yeah, you guys might have to bear with me as well. I had the uh, top-up jab yesterday, and for the last 24 hours, I've been feeling really rough. Mm. So, yeah, we'll see how we get through this. Should um, I do a little brief introduction to how I got into remote viewing and how I got into... Absolutely, Yeah, absolutely. But first, Dick, before we do that, I just wanted to say to, to the people you know who watch this afterwards, I wanted to get you on because we get so many requests on the... Uh, on the Reddit remote viewing forum for you, uh, for more information about the HRVG methodology that I thought it would be great to, you know, to get it outlined in a bit more detail for all those people that, that, you know, are inquiring out there. Glad, glad to do that. Well, I am tenacious. I do a lot of sessions. I've been doing it a long time. And if you throw enough stuff against the wall, some of it's going to stick. So um, a lot of my work has been out there for a lot of years just because I you, look, I have more bad sessions than most of you probably have sessions. So it just <laughs> uh, the more you do it, the more hits you'll get. Excellent. Well, I'm still letting people in. So, yeah, if you want to go f uh, give people an overview and then we'll, we'll see what questions arise and we'll, we'll take it from there. Yeah, yeah. This will be fun. Yep. Um, I had, I don't think I'm any more psychic than the normal person. I don't think I have any, um, a special talent, although throughout my life, I had a few anomalous situations where I had precognitive ideas or dreams, uh, certain little knowings. And this, I think that's common to all human beings. We've all had a moment where you didn't think about a friend for 10 years and then you think about him and he, he calls you up. Like I was just thinking about you. So I was open, always open to the idea. I heard um, I was an art bell fan, like many of us and heard discussions of remote viewing on art bell beginning in probably 1996 in early 97, Ed Dames came to the big island to train a doctor, uh, came to Hawaii to another island to train a doctor. And I was invited over there and spent some time with Ed and Joni and they gave it a little introductory thing. Then I got the tapes. Then I went to Farsight Institute and spent a week with uh, Courtney Brown's crew, the in-house uh, in intensive training. Um, have studied the CRV manual in late 97. I got an email saying, Hey, there's a military remote viewer. That's going to be, might be teaching. Oh, they, they didn't say he was teaching. He's going to be giving a free lecture. So um, there was this like new age place called inward Inc where they would sell spiritual books and burn incense and do uh, tarot readings, that type of thing. So I went and I heard 
uh, Glenn Wheaton speak. And Glenn had been in the army and had retired in 92 and had this secret from his family and friends is that he was a psychic spy. He had um, trained and done this for U.S. Army Special Forces Intel. And when the ABC News Nightline broke the story of remote viewing in November of 95, um, Glenn realized it was okay to talk about it. it. It had been declassified to a certain extent. And he, my sense of this is that after he retired from the army, he had been doing remote viewing at a really high operational level and then retired. And once you retire, they cut your, your wire, you know, you're not, you're not doing that. And as a remote viewer, you're no good alone. Like you, you can't really task yourself. It's, it's better to work with a group and a team. So I know that Glenn was hanging around psychic fairs, trying to see what civilians had, what talents they had. And he um, got to know someone and said, well, I was a remote viewer. And they said, well, teach us. And he said, no, 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 no. And they said, oh, please teach us. We'll pay you. He said, no, no, no. And they were having lunch. It was a guy named Philip Lau. They were in Chinatown. And as the story goes, um, Philip goes, can you show me? And Glenn said, well, I, I, you don't really use remote viewing to prove it. But the, he had a picture of something. And Glenn said, okay, I'll, I'll look at something and uh, look at a picture. And Glenn sketched it. And Philip Lau went, whoa, I, you got to teach this. So Glenn agreed and gave the introductory lecture. Um, uh, a woman helped set up the class. They rented a classroom and I went to the class and that began my journey into remote viewing. I, I did some computation last night. We had, we were doing two classes a week. We were doing a minimum of one class a week for 15 years. That's how much material there was to cover. Um, if I was doing three hours, 50 weeks a year times 15 years, I probably had over 2000 in class lecture practice, um, operational, that much training. Glenn never charged a nickel. He would not let money be involved. He didn't do it for fame. He didn't do it for uh, notoriety. He did it to pass along the skill. So I was very lucky in that I had 2000 hours and I still talk to Glenn quite often. Uh, we had a little row about 10 years ago. There was a lady that didn't like me and that it devolved into a little bit of a cat fight and uh daz remembers this but we've we've since made up and uh so anyway i was very fortunate in that i've had 18 years of training 18 years of practice eight you know 15 years of in class the method is so detailed so structured and so intricate um takes a long time to teach it and a long time to learn it. It was developed by 
uh, I can't, well, it would have been in the 70s, I think, at the, at the time of, it was parallel to Stargate. And um, the story was that Glenn was working as a Morse intercept operator, listening to Morse code from behind the Iron Curtain. And a night that he was working like overnight, midnight to seven, 11 to eight or 11 to seven, something like that. But wee hours of the night. And he had been having a couple of beers at Oktoberfest. This was in Augsburg, Germany at an army security agency listening post. And he was he uh, intercepted Morse code. So he was intercepting the Morse code and the guy from Vladivostok wasn't too good. And they had to resend the code. And in the moment they reset the code, Glenn drifted off because the code puts you in a theta state, that DDD. And he was in that place between asleep and awake where you're not supposed to be in, on duty in the military. And he saw the person in a Russian uniform tapping the thing. And when his supervisor kicked him, wake up. He said, I, I saw the guy. And they said, okay, give me your badge. You're relieved. And they sent him out and he thought, oh, why did I say that? Why did I go? Oh, no, I've ruined. And they did a bunch of psychological review. It turns out that the military was looking for people who had this experience. They, they knew about it and they wanted it. So that developed into them listening to number stations, um, there were uh, radio transmissions to spies that were sent in the clear and the that developed into an early form of remote viewing so all these guys that were doing that with uh army intel some of them went into special forces intelligence they found a psychic named richard ireland who is Johnny Carson used to do the great Karnak. He was on Steve Allen. He was a guy that would audience would write questions and on envelopes and he would blindfold himself and hold up a uh, question up and then answer the question. And he was one of the world's greatest natural psychics and the special forces guys went and saw his show in Las Vegas. And he had a challenge to the, uh, members of the audience said, if you have a hundred dollar bill, if I can, if I can recite the serial number accurately, you give me the hundred dollar bill. So Glenn and the special forces psi spies were in the audience and Glenn said, I'll, I've got one right here. And Richard Ireland closed his eyes and wrote on his pad, the numbers and letters. And Glenn went, Nope. And Richard Ireland goes, why don't you look again? Because I wrote it backwards. Glenn looks up and goes, holy shit. So the special forces guys took Richard Ireland and paid him a bunch of money and took him into their uh, secret base here on Hawaii called Kunia. And they developed the method knowing about what was, I think what was going on with other uh remote viewing programs. See, the secret here is there wasn't just one remote viewing program. It wasn't just Fort Meade. It wasn't just Stargate. It wasn't just Grill Flame. There were other ones. And so they developed this method that when Glenn retired and remote viewing became public, 
he started teaching us and taught it to us for free. And that's how I learned it. Okay. And I'm, I'm talking on and on and on. I'll, I'll say two more things and then let you get to the questions. The way it differs, because I've studied other forms of remote viewing, is number one, it is heavy on visuals. The first thing you do in a HRVG session after you write the target ID is you project, close your eyes and project the target ID up in a place where you learn to place a, a visual image. Then you close your eyes and then you look and you look for imagery. So it's all based off of visuals. It's it, The concept is, yes, you, you can see. And then the other important uh, difference is it employs neuro-linguistic programming. This was something that was big back in the day. And I guess the Green Berets would need to go uh, take over a village where they were going to train insurgents and they'd line people up and look at them and question them. And th this was a, ta a skill that we learned in our class. We would actually have someone hold an object in their hand and we would get like 20 questions to determine what it was by asking them, is it red? And watching if their eyes went to recall or construct. Um, so the HRVG method has you adopt an NLP posture so that by the time you're to S2, your subconscious knows everything about the target. You just have to remember it. And you do it by going to visual recall, looking up and to the left. I watch people work remote viewing sessions. I, I can watch my own session at a whiteboard. And when I'm bullshitting and I'm making up imaginary data, my eyes are going this way. My eyes are going over that way. When I'm on the signal line, my eyes are going that way. I watched an interview with Kyle Rittenhouse with uh, Tucker Carlson. And he was telling the truth the whole time when he recounted that when Tucker asked him, you know, he would say, well, the guys came up to me and his eyes were going to recall. He was recalling the emotional state. He was recalling what it looked like. Um, when they asked him, are you going to sue somebody? And you could, his eyes would go like that, like what's going to happen in the future. So um, NLP is important is visuals and NLP. So I'll shut up and let you get to your questions. Okay. Uh, before we start with the questions, just for the people that arrived late, um, a quick refresh here. Uh, if you want to ask a question, use the reactions button and you can put your hand up and then you can ask an audio question. Or if you're a bit shy, feel free to type one in the chat window and we'll answer those ones. Uh, uh, we've got a couple of people there. Start off. Uh, Brendan was at first. If you want to go first, Brendan. Sure. Brendan. Hi. How you guys both doing? Um, <clears throat> I'm uh, trained in, in CRV. Um, I've been a fan of both of your both of you guys' work before. As I've talked to you a long time ago, um, I've really come a long way in my CRV. And what I find amazing with your work, Dick, is your visual aspects. When I first started doing CRV, it was building a relationship with my subconscious. I was getting my subconscious to give me little bits of information. And as I got farther along into intermediate, uh, more detailed into my sessions, 
I've built this relationship where it's almost like at times I interview my subconscious and at times where I feel like I'm not even like, I feel like I'm not even on target are some of the times I have the best sessions ever. And when I feel like I'm on, I'm off. But even when I have these really good sessions and I have these AIs that are just kind of brief snapshots, I feel like I don't get the visuals that it seems like you get with your method. But what I am able to do at times, if I cue in on a subject and I have to tap into what they're thinking, I can do that quite easily and tap back out. But my question is, how do you get such good visuals? By demanding it, by following the methodology which requires it. Okay, first, let, let me say that I, I don't want to criticize any other method because you can get valid data from any method. I have a uh, gum toothpick right here. I could take five of these, pick my teeth in a certain order, throw them on the ground, and drop dental floss on it. And if I trained to do that every day, that act would be a cue to my subconscious to give me target data. I could literally take uh, toothpicks, use them, drop them on the ground and use dental floss and get data. So um, you're correct that you're querying your, your subconscious to, to get data and you've learned a valid uh, method that allows you to do that. My question would be to you, is there any procedure in your method where you're allowed to close your eyes and look at the target? Yeah. Is there, I mean, is there, is there a, what, is there a stage where you're, so, okay, now I'm going to see it? You know, sometimes I will try to incorporate a little bit, I guess what you'd call like an extended remote viewing. I do Lynn Buchanan's CRV style, but at times if I can get into it and I start probe, if I'm, if I'm doing a flash sketch, I will probe the sketch. And at times I will close my, my eyes to help uh, build the visual. Okay. The way we approach visuals is the first thing I do, the first, I'll recite the protocol for, and I'm, this is not a teaching I'm not, I'm not teaching this, but when I sit down, it's like I'm, I have my desk absolutely clean. There's nothing on it. There's nothing else I'm thinking about. I like a blank wall in front of me. I have a certain type of pen, a Uniball vision, uh, fine point. It's laid a certain way on the page. The first method, the first step of the protocol is to have your paper set up a certain way, a certain uh, distance from the desk, totally neat. The target ID is here. When I pick up my pen and uncap it, that's the first thing I do. From that moment on, there is no moment, I'll do an hour session, there is not one second where I'm allowed to sit and ponder out of structure. The first thing I do is I write the word ideogram. I, I slide over, I write page one colon, dick colon. I draw a line the wrong way from left to uh, right to left, which is harder if you're a right-handed person. I write the target ID. I know that target ID has meaning. I, I wanna know what that is. That's the most important thing to me. I memorize the target ID. 
A1, B2, C3, D4. We used to, um, we'd do that and Glenn would come and put his hand over it and go, what's the target ID? And you go, ah, ah, ah. Anyway, write the target ID again. The first thing we do is close our eyes and visualize that target ID on uh, uh, what we call Blackboard. It's a, it's a place where you train your subconscious to put visuals. After you write that target ID, the first information you get is visual information. In an alert state, you can only look this long, a second and a half. Anything longer than that is imagination. If I tell you, um, imagine five clowns in yellow and purple polka dots riding unicycles uh, and then flying on a trapeze, it takes three seconds for you to get that visual in your in your brain. The the visual imagery is really fast at the beginning. And at the beginning, you don't see anything. I remember the first time Glenn goes, okay, ready, go, stop. And I'm like, oh, come on, this is ridiculous. And he render a graphic re representation of anything you saw on Blackboard. And he'd go, okay, page two, write the target ID, close your eyes, go, stop. Like, God, give me a break. And, you know, it, it won't happen unless you demand it. And here's the... The thing is you have to train your subconscious to do it. When you are looking at me right now, the light rays go through the, the lens of your eye and it's projected on your optic nerve upside down. You're seeing the world upside down, but your brain turns it over. Same way in remote viewing, we I can look at a student's work and they can sketch something that is no way looks like the target, but I in the way they draw it, I will know it's comes from their subconscious and i'm not going to give that away um you have to do the work look at your work get the target feedback and resolve in your mind like oh like sometimes glenn would come turn your page sideways and cut it in half and see see that i go oh yeah um sometimes you see it from above we did a hundred targets just on that for weeks that's all we did. Our requirement was we had to hit, we had to show target contact 40 times before we were allowed to go to the next, um, the next method. So the first thing we do, and the visual ideogram is just an overall gross gestalt. It could be a smear. It could be a vague shape. Uh, sometimes I'll do it and I'll see a guy holding something running up a mountain. I mean, it, it can be that clear after many, many years, but it's just something, train yourself. And then we get to um, a collection data, a data collection matrix called Playfair, where we're probing our ideograms. So you probe the ideogram, you close your eyes and look, you close your eyes and look. And the more you do it, you're gonna, you'll see like, oh, that's a lot of people. Oh, that's a lot of trees. Oh, that's angular. I see angular shapes. Oh, I see a broad, you know, uh, horizon. If you've never tried it, you'll, the, it's just amazing when you, and this was the uh, luxury that I had that I was in a class of 16 other students and Glenn never showed us any of his work. 
we proved it to ourselves. And, and back in those days, there was no remote viewing available in 97. You couldn't go on the internet and find sessions. Nobody was doing that. So we'd be at the class week after week. He'd have a target picture in a photo. Somebody would draw something and we would see it. Wow. Okay. Yeah. He did draw the, all the little of this, you know, and it looks just like it. So the, the method is training your demanding of your subconscious that you put visuals up there and you have to it's like teaching a dog when you go heal the dog comes by you and sits down you train your subconscious this is what i want you to do and along the way it's a lot of beating yourself up where you have imagination but it's it it can be whatever you demand of it that's that's the most important thing that i learned it's uh demand that you want when i wanted to be a remote viewer my aspiration was not to write a list a column of disjointed words my aspiration was hey i want to i want to be there experientially and see it so good question thank keep you keep up the good work were you in the military i was not you kind of look like you were be a retired Navy SEAL or something. <laughs> I was uh, at the Monroe Institute, and then I got into remote viewing. And oh, who did you meet at the Monroeans? Did you meet Skip and Joe? I did meet Skip. Did meet Joe. Mm -hmm. Yeah, those are. Uh, I haven't met Joe. I want to. I'd love to talk to him someday. Uh, Skip came out to uh, meet with HRBG, and we interacted with him for a week. Great guys. Okay. Yeah. yeah. Next question. Yeah. Next one up is uh, uh, thanks for that, Brendan. By the way, uh, next you. one up is Fabian. Good. Just had to unmute. Hi guys. Hi Dick. I'm wearing a Dick-inspired shirt this evening. Um, I'm a Patreon subscriber, and um, in one of your projects, you talked about edging as a technique. Uh, I've tried to research it. I can't find anything about edging in remote viewing. I wonder if you could explain a bit about it and what it adds to your projects. Wow, that's a good question. That gets right to it. Thanks for being a Patreon member. Edging is a edging is the um, bridge from paper and pen session to ERV. The HRVG method begins in an alert, very conscious um, beta state where you're like, you're interacting with me. You're, you're doing a New York Times crossword puzzle. You're completely aware, completely firing your brain in all it's aware of its surroundings. In that state, you get 1.5 seconds of target contact. You probe an ideogram, if you park your pen for more than 1,001, 1, you're done. So you begin in fully conscious beta state and you have very brief moments. It's like, um, can you remember what a Snickers candy bar tastes like? Can you remember what a Kit Kat candy bar tastes like? Look at an Almond Joy. Can you taste an Almond Joy for just a second? 
Amounds is different from an Almond Joy. It's dark chocolate. It has a different taste. A Heath Bar, toffee. You can just hold that just that long. And that's how long, that's how fast you've got to work in the opening stages of HRVG. When we get to S4, we've collected enough data. It's, it becomes like reading a good book. You're not aware of turning the pages. You're not aware of the passage of time. When I'm in S4, I can tap my finger to give my conscious mind something to do. I can linger on target. I can look for 10, 15 seconds. Usually I get about six, seven seconds. After we've done S4, where we've done a survey of the whole target, there is, uh, then you're, you're getting more and more caught up in target. More and more of your awareness is going to target. Um, the best edging I ever had was a, uh, it was an outbounder target. It was Bill, it was on fire docks, PJ Guineer's thing. I used to work targets all, every, one a day. I mean, I was obsessive and I needed targets. So I would go to her PJ Guineer's fire docks and there was one, it was seven, seven, seven. I can't remember the exact ID. It was a beacon target. And I probed in my first collection and I, when we collect the early data, we go sights, sounds, smells, taste, temperatures, texture. That's a, that's the way you see, you see something, you hear it, you smell it and taste it. You get closer, you can sense the heat and you can touch it. I had a smell that was when I probed, it was the smell of a, a coat in cold weather when you come inside. You know that smell? You don't get that in Hawaii, but when you're wearing, and not a leather coat, not a parka, a fabric coat, if it's been out in the cold and you walk in, that, there's, that fabric has a smell. That's what got me on target. So anyway, to make the long story short, I'm doing this session and the, the edging is a visualization and breathing. I don't really want to teach this because it. I was a year in training before I learned this. But you do a certain thing where you put a pressure on your eyelid and you you uh, rest your head and you you do a breathing. Now, this was developed by Green Berets, and they are not about to sit in a room and go, um, um, you know, that's they, they just wouldn't catch themselves doing that. They called it off gassing. And as you breathe out, you're off gassing CO2. The urge to breathe is not caused by lack of oxygen. Your urge to breathe is a buildup of CO2. So they did this off gassing breathing exercise while holding this certain position. And you can actually come to a complete stop. And all the time you're doing that, you're looking, they call it edging because you're looking for the edges of visuals to form up. So I was doing this thing. I'm working this target. And without knowing it, I stopped breathing. I just, it was like all my, uh, inter every, everything just stops. 
And I saw this man in a gray coat. It was like I was the surveillance camera and he was walking through a department store. There were suits over here. There were shirts in cellophane, you know, the clear stuff. And he kind of walked through and he touched a suit and then he walked over here and I woke up and I was, oh, what was that? That was Ed Jean. And uh, that was Bill Ray walking through the, he was uh, the outbounder targets. He went to a men's department store in the PX at a place in Germany. And I, I called him up and said, were you wearing a gray coat? And he said, yeah, I saw it. So it was that edging is the bridge from your paper and pa paper and pen session to get you after edging, you then kick back and then you're into ERV. So that's the beauty of the HRBG method to me is it's, I've got to create magic here. I got to sit down with just a target ID and in uh, five days, I've got to give a 20 minute briefing on everything I saw. How the hell am I? Well, I pick up my pen. I write ideogram. And before I know it, I've got 15 pages of data and I've seen the target. So yeah, edging is an advanced skill in the HRBG method that is the gateway to ERV. Is it, is it like uh, a Wim Hof breathing method? A bit like the Wim Hof breathing method. I do that every day and I do see visuals when I hold my breath. Well, it's, it's again, I don't want to teach it, but it's, it's like you, you exhale, exhale again. And then just don't breathe in, just your lungs will naturally fill. Then exhale, exhale again. The goal is to do 20 cycles of that. After 20 cycles, uh, your head might fall down on the desk, but so you, you, there's a way to hold yourself and block your optic nerve. But it is, uh, I, I'll show you a moment I had in edging. Um, let me, uh, this was, this was good. I worked the whole target and I had like 15 pages of data and I was, ah, sort of on sort of off. And then it, I said, well, I need to do edging. So I did edging and, um, it was the Oak Island tunnel. Here we go. Um, let me share the screen. So I had, I, I was looking right down that thing. Do I have the right thing on the screen? I'm not showing like my exit. Yeah, so that was done in, that was done in edging. So I was, that was where I was, uh, had marginal target contact, but I did this breathing thing came to a stop and I went, Oh man, I'm looking down this shaft. There's a, something hidden down there. And then that, that got me onto target and I did some more work. Is it, that's like Templar treasure. Or so yeah, that's edging. Thank you. It, it, it's just phenomenal. The amount of training I was given for free and how detailed it is and how many steps there are. And the people who created it are 
they were really some brilliant guys. Um, it's it's a good method. Next question. Thanks, Fabian. Thanks for that. Uh, up next is Don. Okay. Uh, thank Hi, Don. you for being here. Um, let's see. You had um, mentioned about uh, closing your eyes. So when you close your eyes, there's a persistence of vision, right? Like you, when you close your eyes, After you, image. See, you see what it is that you're were formerly looking at, right? So when you're in your cool down stage, are you actually letting that persistence sort of fade out before you start? Yeah. Um, we trained under the most difficult of conditions because we were in a classroom with bright lights with 16 people. Uh, so you'd see the two people in front of you in the blackboard. Um, there is an after image. Yeah. If I, I could, I don't have a picture of anything appropriate right now, but you know, I could hold up a picture and go like that and then say, draw, draw what you just saw. And most people don't observe very well. Most people, if you hold a picture up for one second and, and, and hold it down, they would get a uh, rough, a, a shape or something. If you train yourself, and I, I know that the military remote viewers that developed this used to take postcards and pictures, and they'd flash them at each other. And they, they developed the ability to do detailed sketches after one second. So this, that's a little bit different than your question. I know what you're asking. I always remote view with a, um, I just have to have a, a white wall or a black wall in front of me. Uh, something where I get no after images. So when I close my eyes, like right now, I can see my printer, it says HP. You know, I can see a prescription bottle in my clock. Um, so I'm very particular. The best remote viewing setup I ever had was a desk at uh, the TV station where I used to work out. And it was... Uh, I could make it all dark except one really dim track lighting that I could point it at my paper. So just my paper was illuminated. And beyond that was just darkness. And man, I had some great sessions. So that when you close your eyes, the vision forms, the, the visual forms up. So yeah, I... I if I had to remote view in the bright sunlight, one lady from HRVG did do it once at Las Vegas. She went out at one of the conferences and they gave a test target and she walked on the stairs of the conference center with people walking by noisy, bright, and she drew the target. Exactly. I was impressed by that, but I, I really am. Uh, I'm, I'm obsessive. I have um, noise canceling headphones. You know, I put on noise canceling headphones with theta tones. I, I put a, a red uh, uh, kerchief over the light. I, I want the light as dim as possible. I want the light so that I can see what I'm writing on the page and no more. So I really like my my um, environment is important to me. The quieter, the better. And um, 
you know, I would never remote view in front of a window. I hate it when dogs bark. I hate it when a siren goes by. I hate it when my phone rings. <laughs> hey. Hello, sister. I'm on a live uh, broadcast. I'll call you back okay. later. Okay. I forgot to turn my phone off. There I was talking about interruptions. That's. Uh, well, mine just rang too. So we're even. Yeah. Yeah. All right. So, thank you, Dick. Yeah. The, the after images is. Um, you want to avoid that. Thank you. <laughs> Thanks, guys. That was great timing. Uh, John, you're up next. John Knowles? Yeah. Hi, uh, Dick. Uh, I've been around forever, too, but I don't think we've ever talked. You know, I was with Prudence uh, just after she went to Hawaii. I don't know if you want to talk about that later. But yeah, she, uh, came, I, she came out for a week and stayed with us yeah. and taught a class. And yeah. um, Glenn always urged us to, to learn everything we could learn about remote viewing. He said, know everything that's going on in remote viewing, take Prudence's class. We brought Paul Smith out and we all took Paul's class. Um, we, uh, we had uh, Sai Shinkawa, one of Courtney's instructors, teach a class. So we were always um, sponges of remote viewing technology. We wanted to, so Prue came out, she stayed at Glenn's house and we hosted her. We sponsored a class for her to teach and we all took it. Yeah. Yeah. So yeah, she came back and reported very favorably uh, that I learned later. I, I joined in about 2000, um, but I do have a couple of questions. And one was that um, at some point you remarked that Glenn had told you, gee, you guys are amazing. You're using like a spoon to plow the earth and there's much better tools available. So my first question is what, what was going on there? Was he just, uh, what were their actual tools and you, did you learn about them? And also these other programs that developed like this one that you're referring to by HRVG, how come uh, that hasn't been published? There's, you know, the CIA uh, released their documents. What about these other groups? Are they gonna release their documents too? So uh, appreciate all, all you've been contributing here. It's really a very informative. And if you can answer those questions, I'd be very happy. Sure. Um, the first question, what was the first question again? Um, About the teaspoon plowing, plowing. Oh, the teaspoon. Yeah, yeah that's teaspoon. great. That, I, remember, I remember that night. It was a warm night, dark. We were in uh, Kalihi outside our classroom. Uh, there was a Korean kimchi factory across the street from us. It was kind of a seedy part of town. And we would, um, Glenn would give us a target and we'd all work it. And it was kind of like bad form. It, it was to keep us, up. you have to do it with a certain pace. You can't linger. And so like, if you were the last person in the room, he'd turn on the lights and go, you're done. You know, you're too long. So some of us were outside. And Glenn just kind of looked up at the stars and he said, you guys are amazing. Uh, you're doing this with just your own mind. Do you realize that, that you're, you're projecting yourself across time and space? And that's friggin' magic. And, you, and what amazes me is you're doing it with just your mind. And I said, what do you mean? He goes, well, you guys are plowing a field with a teaspoon and actually... Uh, I hate to tell you this, but there, there are plows available. There's full, full tractor plows. And I go, what do you mean? And he couldn't tell us. 
I asked him this many, many times. Um, I asked him something last night. I was on the phone with him. And when I asked him, he went, la, 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 la. He would just do that. I would say, Glenn, what's the tones? Ah, how about the, did you see the Raiders beat the Cowboys? That was pretty good. You know, he just changed the subject. There is some form. Uh, I don't know this from anybody telling me, but I've pieced things together. I believe there is uh, some type of electronic biofeedback that involves tones where you listen to tones and you learn to match. You know, uh, Joe McMonagall was on. And Joe McMonagall says, I have something I listen to. And as soon as I listen to it, I can remote view. Um, and the, I think the most important area of research in remote viewing would be bio, electronic biofeedback. Somebody smart needs to um, find a way to, uh, you want to be in a certain level of theta and there's got to be a way to electronically entrain your brain waves to be in a certain frequency that um, Glenn Wheaton, if you're, he's not going to come on and talk about this. He won't do it. I think, I bet he's listening, but um, yeah, I think there is something and it's something that somebody in the remote viewing, if we discovered it ourselves, I'll tell you a story. There was a, I was a news reporter and um, I did a story with a child psychologist and this was early, early computer days, like computer games weren't too, uh, too advanced, but she was kids who were ADHD or hyperactive or some mental problem she would calm their brain waves down by letting them play Pac-Man. She would put sensors on their head. And if their brain state calmed down to a, the, the brain state that she wanted them to be in, the computer game would play. So if they were hyperactive and all, all ajar, the computer wouldn't play. The, the reward for them was making the Pac-Man eat the thing. And the more they got into this brainwave state, the more they could. And I, I said to her, you know, I do something called remote viewing, and I'm really interested in brainwave states and biofeedback. And um, she said, wow, you're the second person that's asked me about that. I said, who else? She said, a guy that used to be in the military, he was an Irish guy, kind of reddish hair. I think his name was Glenn. I went, no shit. Hmm. Glenn never told me about your busted, Glenn. Um, so that would be an interesting area of research. Somebody in the remote viewing community, would it be Jeffrey Mishlove? Somebody uh, at some cognition laboratory that studies brain waves and how to 
teach people to get in the right brainwave state, I think, because um, I asked Glenn after he did his thing where he saw the guy with the Morse code, I said, how long was it before you could do that again, like pop to target and see it? Just two days. I went, God, I've been studying 15 years. You did it in two days? He goes, well, we had help. So, but the really there is no, I don't think there's a magic bullet. I think uh, from my experience that approaching it like a Japanese tea ceremony, going step by step by step, going to probe the data matrix that we have, going to uh, S4 where you look at each thing and you can tap your finger and look for, you know, the first time we look it's for one second. By S4, we get to look for 12 to 15 seconds. So you get more and more dwell time. But uh, the the ultimate goal for me, and I've had this a few times, is where you wake up somewhere and you're at the target. I'll tell you, when that happens, that is the coolest damn thing you can. I was, here's my best remote viewing story. This, this is my favorite one. I was working a blind target and I was doing it. I used to work at the news station i was anchorman and the there wasn't a lot to do sometimes in the evenings and i would sneak off for an hour to remote view so i was working this target and i got to edging i got to s5 and i'm kicked back in a chair like this and i'm doing this mental exercise on blackboard and all of a sudden i was in the ocean and an airplane went wow came right at me just like this single engine airplane came and uh was going to crash right into me and i jumped and oh my god it was full color full experiential i was there it was the most vivid dream i ever had and i was man whoa and, and I, okay i'm in my office i'm okay i was remote viewing but that was really intense and so a couple days later um i got the uh, i got the feedback and the feedback was U.S. Coast Guard search and rescue event near future. Describe the next uh, Coast Guard rescue that's going to happen in Hawaii. So a week or two later, I'm, I'm anchoring the news. And I'm, uh, they hand me a script, like in the community, this just in. I go, well, we have breaking news. Uh, U.S. Coast Guard District 9 is reported to a single-engine airplane that has just ditched in the ocean 15 miles east of Oahu, the Coast Guard cutter. And I'm reading this, and I went, I frigging just saw that. And I was like going, holy, and I'm on TV, and I have to like just be professional. But it was a real emotional event. So, yeah, that's let's find the uh, key to the tones, Don. Yeah, um, just briefly on that. So the Monroe Institute, of course, has been experimenting with this for a long time. And I asked Julia Mossbridge about it because she's totally into scientific research and also into love. And one of the focuses that Bob Monroe came up with is about love. Her reply was, well, I'm just disappointed in how they handle this scientifically. So I guess there's been some efforts there, but maybe the science doesn't uh, carry out what, what, what you're suggesting and I agree needs to be done. 
My second question I, was about, yeah, go ahead. Go ahead, go ahead. Yeah, well, just real quick. I've used the Monroe tapes. I've had some really, uh, I think I used them prior to remote viewing. I had some interesting effects with that. I don't use them for remote viewing. I have something else I use, but uh, yeah. Okay, next question. So the second question was whether we're going to hear about the uh, details, documents from these other programs that you say develop remote oh, viewing. Oh, yeah. Stargate. No, I don't. As um, I don't, I'm not up to date because I've talked about that. But um, it was my understanding that these programs were not abandoned. That mm -hmm. um, Glenn said, as of mid two thousands, there were still people who had the skill who were still in the service. You know, I, I don't want to. I want to be real careful here. I don't want to criticize anyone, but um, if the military, the the government, like they don't just develop one rocket, they don't just develop one fighter jet. Um, the Navy flies jets. Uh, you know, the Marines fly helicopters, the army has helicopters. There's a, the, there's a lot of cross things. It's not just one thing. I, th and I think what was released, it was going to come out because David Morehouse wrote his book and he got in trouble for that. I mean, he had a very hard time. I think they released a version that um, wouldn't do as much harm, that wouldn't, um, you know, they like, tell them it only does this, right? Don't tell them the full potential of it. That's what I think happened. That's my opinion. You mean with CRV? Yeah. Okay, thanks. Keep it, keep it in the... Keep it yeah. in the new age community. Keep it in the, uh, you know, let Ed Dames go, go be the spokesman for it. That won't uh, do too much. I really appreciate the uh, your your answers, and that's a huge topic. So I'll let Daz take that one up if he wants, and I'll sign off. Thanks very much, Dick. Yeah. I can add a bit on the uh, the tone thing, uh, and it, again, it's, this is weirdly coincidental. Uh, I was speaking today to a very close friend of Ingo's and um, he, he he remarked on uh, a technology that Ingo found working with uh, Dr. Persinger you know using his his helmet device that uh, they knew or after a period of weeks they knew uh, from what they were recording when Ingo was on target or when he was off target and they did this specifically by he was targeted himself off target for specific reasons to see what the brainwaves would be and all that kind of stuff. Uh, so they were doing it with that. I'd, I haven't spoken to Persinger since uh, Ingo passed, so I don't know if he's if he's developing that technology any further. He did tell me he had all the recordings, and he mentioned something along the lines of if they played the recordings to other people, the other people could simulate uh, and take on the brainwave patterns or something that, that Ingo did or something. So... There is that technology there. I just don't know if it's in development anymore. Well, I was told 
that the special forces intel remote viewing team made a chamber and we were going to build one at hrvg and i think uh crypto viewing we might revive this and what it is is uh a small room with no uh right angles like curved painted black they put a black light in it and put little white dots so you were in a 360 degree star field faraday cage soundproof air conditioned with white noise pink noise and then your monitor would be on headsets as a disembodied voice like ultimately like a computer voice so uh they would say in your work you told us about a structure go to the structure now you know and then they <laughs> but uh like i said environment is very important for me and i would love to um be put in a faraday cage environment with that like and I, I i almost had that at, at my old tv station i had this room where i always worked and it was just so good so quiet we went to a cave one time in the uh, a tunnel in the mountains here in hawaii old world war ii bunker and that was really quiet but yeah there's i know they were using they were using shit with tones and i think it's still classified I think they don't want that to get out. So, hopefully, but if we discovered it. Yeah, hopefully one day it might. Who knows? We are in an era of disclosure right now, so you never know. Yeah. Yeah. It was something to do with step tones, like, something to do with step tones. Interesting. Okay, so we have Rich up next. Is that his hand up for a while? Hi, thanks, Dick. Um, so I was just curious. So I have a TDRV background, just like John Knowles. Um, and I do agree, at least in my own practice, visuals are definitely not one of my strong suits. So it's been, been very interesting to hear your perspective on it. Do you find, though, that with, um, with your style, with having such a focus on an image up front, does that not produce a sort of front loading for the rest of your session? Do you find it difficult to then separate from that image to get a good session out of it? Or do you feel confined then by that initial image? The initial image is usually not distinct and clear enough to, um, to uh, influence that too much, but the, the rest of the data collection is so structured and so rapid fire is that you get an image and then you just, you just collect it and then you go immediately to sounds. Well, what's the sound? And the um, one thing you have to learn, and this is, this is why doing so many targets is for example, if I see smoke, right, and I draw, I draw this billowing little thing, as, as I look for one second, I go, there's billowing gray smoke. Then I go to sounds. 
all right, I have to be open for everything. I cannot think crackling. I cannot think sirens. You know, it may be um, ocean lapping. You know, I might smell like cold seawater, like it could be smoke on the water, mist on the water. So, and the only way to learn to avoid that is by doing a hundred targets where you blow it a hundred, you know, <laughs> oh man, I saw smoke. I saw smoke and I, I, I really heard crackling and I said screams of, you know, fire. And, and it was just a, it was just a mist in the forest. So what you have to do is put that bad data down get your feedback and then beat up yourself in your subconscious, have a little, you know, team meeting with yourself and go, don't do that again. Be open to it. Be open to it being anything. Don't jump to a conclusion. So that's, that's the way we, we get around that. But um, yeah, sometimes you're right. You know, sometimes you see that I, a couple times, I, that's the Parthenon. Yeah, it was, but that, those are rare. Okay. It's, it's very fleeting, uh, black and white sketchy. It's not like I close my eyes and have a full color visual. Um, okay. Every day. That, that comes later. And for me, kind of rare. I mean, I can do it sometimes, but yeah. So it's the, the methodology is structured in such a way as to avoid that. If you follow the methodology and honestly, Every bit of data in a session comes as a result of a query in a probe. You probe an ideogram, you probe our NLP icon. So you have to have this series of open to anything moments where you just get the next bit of data and then it comes together in the end if you do it right. Perfect, thank you. Thanks for that, Rich. And uh, next up is another Rich, Richard. You're still muted at the moment. You're muted, Rick Krankowski. Hi, Rich. I still don't hear him. His mute isn't on. His mic must be off. Oh, no, he's muted. Yeah, he's, I can't do it this end, I don't think. There's a down on the bottom and left of your screen there's a microphone you got to click it to unmute yourself there oh, you go magic okay. okay there you go rich we can hear you i thought it was funny you brought up ed dames as a possible diversion to the real good stuff because we had been speculating about that from you know quite early that some of the things he came up with were so kind of atrocious that you figure he's he's somebody set him out there to do uh, a little diversion from what, what everybody else was doing. But anyway, um, one of the things I don't recall much of HRV talking about is having a monitor. Do you use a monitor at all or, or how do you do your stuff? Yeah, um, I haven't done a monitored session in a long time. Um, we, the way we set up our operational working groups was you would have, <coughs> Four people, mission manager, viewer, monitor, analyst, all were blind to the target, a, a double blind target. So they would get a target, the mission manager would get a target ID. 
he wouldn't know who had tasked that or who the client was. It was just letters and numbers, so double blind. The viewer would work the target. And then the monitor would monitor two of the viewers. And the way the monitor system works is, okay, um, I'm going to, you're going to work your target, Rich, and I'm your monitor. So you go in a room and you start, pick up your pen, do ideogram, do spontaneous ideograms, probe the ideograms. Then you go to Playfair, you get sight, sound, smells, taste. Then you do that again on a, with another probing icon, uh, Nemo Playfair. That's You're into about five pages now. Then you assemble that all into an S3. And then you look at your S3 sight sketch and you, you get, okay, there's land, there's a structure, there's people, and there's another structure. So then you go look at each of those things. So about 45 minutes to an hour, you're doing 12, 20 pages of data. At that point, you give your session to the monitor who is blind. The monitor always has to be blind. Monitor can't know the target. That's cheating. As you're doing edging, that little breathing exercise which takes about five to eight minutes. The monitor is looking through your paper and writing notes like, okay, he saw a structure. He saw people. He saw uh, sounds of this and, you know, gets the high points of your data. When you're done with edging, you kick back and now the monitor is sitting next to you. And you're, there's a visualization that I'm not going to tell you, how, but it's a, it's a, a thing to put your mind into theta. There's a, there's a way that you can force yourself into that. And you're doing a cycle of things and you're tapping. Every time you complete a cycle, you tap. And then you do another cycle and you tap. And at this point, the, the monitor is forming the questions, looking at your session. And then when you get to theta, you stop tapping and you're like, and we call it inclined orbit at theta. So the viewer goes into theta where he's just about asleep in that moment of sleep and awareness. And the monitor recites the target ID. The monitor goes A1, B2, dash C3, D4. That brings the viewer up into alpha awareness like oh i'm supposed to be seeing something and then he'll say oh i see a broad plane he'll he'll start describing things monitors taking notes the monitor can only give you simple commands based on your own data so he would say in your in and you have to speak in very simple terms like one thing like you're just like go fetch you know um you drew some people go to the people now and then you wait and the viewer will i okay and they'll describe them and sometimes we record this or the monitor is writing it down and just takes you through the high points of your sessions but always blind and I did a couple of those that were way cool. There was one um, where 
the monitor didn't know what the target was and I laid down and I was aware that you're, you got to do it with somebody, uh, you know, to go into that state comfortably with somebody right next to you. It's, it's like you've, we developed friendships and uh, interacted with each other for years. So my monitor, Jason was there and I saw this uh, body on a slab and these guys were weird clothing. And I just started talking and I just said, this is like an autopsy. There's a body and they're doing something to the body, but it's like a religious ceremony. They're like priests. It's priests doing an autopsy. And I went on and on. It was the uh, ancient Egypt mummification target. So the, the monitor never got to ask me anything. I just popped a target and blah, 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 blah. I monitored one of our great viewers, uh, Valtra Jansen, where I, she was going under and I'm writing stuff from her session and she just starts talking. She goes, I'm on an airplane and there's a man and they shot him in the top of the head. And this, and she, she just told this whole story. And I was, I was just holding on for the ride. I was just going, good God. I don't know what I, I I'm supposed to ask her some questions, but she just was, and it was the Ron Brown plane crash the Clinton age who got murdered on, and then they crashed his plane. So yeah, long, a lot of war stories I have. Monitoring is used. It's used at the end of the session. It's called S5 Morpheus, where you're in an altered state. You're in theta awareness. You're in an inclined orbit where you go theta up to alpha to respond. You go down to theta, the monitor asks you a question. You come up to reply and Usually we can do that 20, 30 minutes. And at some point the viewer is just going to get irritated as hell and say, I'm done. That's all I can do. You know, and they'll, I, I, I do that myself. Sometimes some of the ones I did for Courtney Brown, I would, um, I have a theta tone track and I would look at my own data and I would write the target ID. And so I would go L7Q3-B4N9, you know, and then I'd say, I'd look at my own data and I'd say, you saw a structure, go to the structure. And then I would let five minutes of airspace and then I'd go describe the people. And so I would monitor myself and I would take my iPhone and I'd put it on record and I'd put it on my chest and I'd be listening there and you'd hear me like just breathing. Then I'd go, uh, the, it's and I, and I, I'd go look at the waveforms. You're like, okay, there for 10 minutes, I'm not doing anything. No, I, then I'm talking for a minute and I'd, I'd hear my descriptions and that would cue my memory. And I'd go, oh yeah, I saw this. And then I'd draw it. That's how I did a lot of the sparsite stuff. But, uh, Monitoring, monitor got to be blind. It's cheating if the monitor knows the target. Okay, thanks. Yeah. Great question there. Thanks for that, Richard. Uh, Don, you're up again next. Okay, Dick, I've got another one here for you. You mentioned um, neuro-linguistic programming. Okay. Yeah, first time I've ever heard of it. I don't know a thing about it, but, you know, like many of us here, we're looking for quick tips and 
this business about looking to the left okay, side or the, the right. I'll give, the, I'll give you the short, the short um, human beings and like people that law enforcement agents, um, border guards, you know, customs officials, when you come into customs, they'll ask you a bunch of in, anonymous you know, questions. Like they'll say, well, what were you doing in, I was in Colombia once I came back and the guy says, what were you doing in Colombia? Uh, was this some good food? Yeah. And so you were reporting what, what story were you doing? Man, did you meet some good people? Did you get any drugs? You know, and I just, and he was watching my eyes. Now, if you look at my eyes now and you ask me, Dick, what color was your first car? As I recall that I'm going to look up into the left. Human beings, when they recall a visual, their eyes go like that. If um, you ask me, how did you feel the time you found out you, your first girlfriend was cheating on you? I'm going to go down into the left. That is when you are recalling an emotion, a kinesthetic memory, your eyes go like that. If I go out drinking with my friends in a uh, strip bar and I come home and my wife goes, what were you doing? I go, we were playing music and having a couple of beers and my eyes go like that. If my wife was smart, she'd know I was making that up. If, if uh, I was going to say, well, how are you going to feel when you sell your Bitcoin and make a lot of money? I'd go, man, that's going to be, I, I'll go to kinesthetic construct. If I, if I go to um, what was the, what was the sound of Jerry Garcia's guitar? I can hear that and my eyes go over to the side and then I would go to kinesthetic because I would remember the emotion of hearing that. So my eyes would go. Mm, mm. So when you remote view, we have a probing icon that you've seen and I'll i've seen it. that now i understand what you're doing with it's that called nemo neuro interrogation mask overlay right what what you need to do when you remote view is you need to have a structured method to query your subconscious the same way every time if you do it by repetition i've done a thousand sessions where when I need to know something, I probe, if I want to know what it looks like, I'm going to probe that right there because that's a mirror image for me. It's, it's my left. So it's to my left in Nemo's right. So I, I touch that right there. And in that moment I touch, I look, I look for a visual. I want to recall a visual. So I get the visual. And then I want to go to a sound. I cock my head to the left to remember the sound of the target. I probe that for one second and I go, wow, there's people yelling. Um, there are advanced things you can do. If I go to, if I, what are they yelling about? They're, I'll, I'll probe down here for kinesthetic and my eyes will go down. Oh, and just that instant I go, they're afraid. I can I can make a probing line here and go, okay, they're yelling, they're screaming, they're crying, 
they're afraid because the building's on fire and they feel like they're trapped. And this was, you know, and so you can, you can go probe their, what the sound connects to the emotion. It's, it's so brilliant, the method they came up with. But if you do that every single time, when you're in a session, there's no moment where you're just sitting there going, well, what's my aesthetic impact or what's the dimensional? It's like, no, give me a sound that's associated with that now. Okay. And you're, you're going sound. Okay. What does it smell now? If you don't get anything, this, um, when I get this, I probe, uh, smell taste, I probe right here. And in that instant, I probe this, uh, it's a smell of a coat that just came in from the cold. I mean, that's a very complex thing. If you, if you probed this, the smell of a tangerine on Christmas night or Christmas Eve, like you have Christmas Eve dinner and it's winter and there's a fire going and your mom has some tangerines because they're in season and you peel the tangerine, that smell. And that alone could get you so onto target that whole, you know, every, every bit of data that you probe for has the potential to pop you onto target. I worked at target once where I smelled pineapple and it was the smell of, they used to have a pineapple cannery in um, uh, Honolulu that you'd drive by this road and they were uh, heating the pineapple. So you would smell warm pineapple on the street when you drive by. I smelled that smell and that got me to a field and it was pineapple pickers. So any bit of data, but the, yeah, the NLP is to keep your, it's reverse engineering to keep you from going to construct, like don't make something up. Don't ever look up to the left. I see people doing sessions and they're going, well, I think it's, you know, and they're just going, they're, that's their imagination. But when they get on target, they're, like I said, Kyle Rittenhouse, when he talked about um, shooting those guys, he goes, those guys came at me and they, they grabbed me. And he was, he was remembering that. He wasn't making it up. And I can see politicians, their eyes are going all over here. Yeah, well, I'm not going to raise your taxes. I'm, uh, yeah, we're, we're working for you. Okay, so, so, so let me summarize what I think I'm hearing here. It's like, if you want to get a perception that is not your constructed imagination, you're going to be looking to well, the... Here's, here's, here, yeah. To the right or left? I'm not sure. To the that. left. To the, the left. left, okay. So the basis for this is that you've already collected three pages of data for visual ideogram. Uh, an entire page of data with like five a matrix of five lines of correction just by looking for something by s2 your subconscious is all over that target by s2 you just have to remember it so you're just remembering what your subconscious already knows that's the way they engineered it okay so it is it is you're going to recall so visual recalls there, auditory recalls there, kinesthetic recalls there, smell and taste is straight on. So I actually probe that, close my eyes and get it for one 
one second. I can do a, uh, well, I, I should have brought an example. Um, when I do my monthly um, predictions, I can do an ideogram and just probe the, if I need to know a question like, where, where is this, where was this Europe? You know, you, you can probe an ideogram for anything. That's the, that's another key of the HRBG method is when you put your full intent to writing that target ID, and then the last expression of that target ID becomes an impression on the page, it's a burst of target data from your subconscious, and you can go retrieve information from that. We probe it. We probe it and look. We probe it and listen. Um, yeah. Okay. Yeah, and the other question I had was about the HRV, VG. Um, I guess you described that as a 15-year training program. Uh, you know, if we wanted to to get involved in it, does it still exist? And does it really take that long? I mean, can... Well, they, they're trying to speed it up. I had the luxury of... I mean, we were doing really interesting and things in all the... Take it, uh, take it easy, you know? So it was... Um, it's being taught right now by the chief instructor, Sita Menor. Uh, they're doing a test class for crypto viewing people she's teaching it on zoom and i think they're going to expand it out the guild itself is kind of but you know covid and uh kind of on hiatus people were moving away people get into remote viewing and they do it for a while and then they don't get as obsessed as daz and i <laughs> they don't get as like full on into it so people do it for a while and then move on uh the guild has been kind of inactive for a while but yeah, yeah I don't all, believe... that, all that time we we had a classroom we were going we were having we did interesting experiments we the the stuff that we did that like you saw i was talking about interruptions in my phone rang, and that was not planned but we did things where um we would come and glenn would say okay everybody sit around the table take a seat and he'd say, I want you to pick three poker chips out of a bag without looking. Blue, blue, red, white, blue, blue. And then we'd, we'd do that. And then on the third try, Jason would pick um, blue, red, red. And Glenn would say, look under your chair, Jason. And there would be a note and he would say on the third pick, Jason picks blue, red, red. And like, whoa, um, that was entrainment stuff. He gave us a lecture one time. I have this video, I should publish this. I, I, I did a 45 minute class on how remote viewing works and how masking and entrainment works, how affinity, how if you, things will have an affinity and they'll fall into an entrainment with each other. And he was at a roulette wheel because we were doing roulette experiments. And I didn't notice this, but there was a pawn on red 21 on the roulette wheel. And he gave this whole long thing. And one of the students said, well, that sounds pretty far-fetched, Glenn. I don't, I don't know if 
if uh, I don't, I just dropped something. Anyway, he goes, I, I don't really accept that. You know, I, I mean, that that's, and Glenn, Glenn said, would you believe it if you saw it? <laughs> and he spun the roulette wheel in the th- and he dropped the thing and it went click, 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 and it dropped in the 21 slot. And I noticed that he had had that pawn on the 21. And I went, holy shit. And I've got this on video. And he goes, would you believe? Would you believe? And, so I think and- a lot of people here might be interested in you know, learning about HRVG. Um, yeah, I, don't, well, we I think I, I think I tried to contact them and they didn't respond or <laughs> closed or, yeah. you know. Well, it was, it was never a business. They never, I mean, they charged enough to um, buy paper and pens. When I did it, we, I used to pay 25 bucks a month to rent the classroom. And uh, CETA is going to be teaching we'll uh we'll make some announcements it's just it's so time intensive um mm-hmm. the the amount of feedback that has to be given to students um you know i taught a few a few online hitomi came to hawaii and uh she wanted to learn she just bought herself a ticket and showed up and said teach me and felt like okay as long as you're here and so uh we gave her classes for weeks and she really excelled she came a couple times she was uh she was a great david morehouse student she did really well, good i think uh we'd all appreciate if you could keep us informed if this uh yeah and uh yeah. thank you i'm just so busy with daz and i are working our butts off with uh Crypto I think we all you know realize, what's, yeah. What's what's cool about crypto viewing is um, we have four different methods. Um, uh, Naeem pretty much uses HRBG, but Daz has his own method. Edward Reardon has his own. And we've all, we've melded that into a pretty cool, uh, pretty cool uh, group. Naeem, are you on? Pop on and say something, Naeem. He is. Talk about your visual uh, experience. I should have brought Naeem on earlier. Come in, Naeem. Uh, my, is my audio coming through all right? Yeah. Yeah, yeah well, coming from, uh, you know, doing uh, CRV and some uh, SRV stuff for like many years, um, I felt like I kind of hit a plateau in terms of like, getting close to the target you know i'd have great descriptions i have some decent sketches here and there but uh you know after developing you know blackboard and doing the hrvg protocol it quickly i quickly began to see that you know picture is a thousand words right so it's like you you get these little flashes here and there and it's it's just like any other piece of data that you would get you know, if you make a sketch in CRV, you could still label it and and probe it for, you know, S2 data. So it's like you get a visual and now you're still getting the associated, you know, smells, sounds, tastes, temperatures, textures. And it, it just orients you in a more uh, natural way, like how you interacted in real life. 
And um, coming to the, near the end of the session, you know, S4 getting that 10, 12 second look, that's when it's like, whoa, you know what I mean? Like I've drawn, I've seen people and, you know, drawn their faces and detailed landscapes and things like that. So it, it just, it, it brings a different level of confidence now whenever you're on the target. Cause it's like, sometimes you're doing a session. It's like, Am I really, is this really what I'm describing? But if you just saw it for a moment and then you're probing after it's kind of like, like Dick was saying, it's like, you're recalling it now. It's like, you saw it, you, you had a flash. So now it's just it's just recalling these these pieces of data back. So it's de definitely taken my my remote viewing game from from here to there. And let me uh, put one up that you, we just remote viewed Saint Germain and uh, Naim kicked my ass on this one. Watch, look at this. Uh, so how'd you get that data, Naim? Yeah, that was the. You know, early in session, I looking on Blackboard, you, I could just saw like a little outline of a person, and so you know that's the early collection. You don't really question it at that point. You just keep going forward, and then by the time you get to S four, now I'm saying, okay, I know that there's a life at this target, so I want to see this the life, and I look on Blackboard, and boom, I see this guy with one of those collared, those old school collared shirts, and kind of like the old school kind of hair there so it you know quickly sketched them down and uh yeah it ended up being count of saint germain that was a that was a pretty clear clear vision that's amazing i think we've lost your audio dick oh i was coughing i wanted to so um where is mine from that well, that was that was that was really good, Naeem. I mean, you got the real the real feel of the guy. That was uh, that was good. And you you had a bunch of those. You just drew some of the crypto guys recently. So, yeah, we have fun. I mean, I want to show an S three that I did early on. Um, at S three, you're supposed to assemble all your collected data into a site sketch. And this was the infamous watchtower under construction. So I had a tall man-made structure, uh, land that was semi-soft natural, another structure, a tree, and humans. So my uh, decoding of this would be two structures, natural land, uh, vegetation, and people which is pretty, pretty good. That's, uh, that's good to go. Mm. All yeah. right. Thank you guys. But, but Dom, just to answer your question again, you know, as soon as we get the details off of Dick and Sita about any kind of possible public training, uh, I'm sure we'll, we'll put out on the Facebook page and, and everywhere else for, for you guys to try to get out of it. Thank you very much. Yeah, yeah we want to make sure it's uh, done right. With we, all, we always did it in class, so figuring out how to do it over Zoom, how people can show. I mean, if you teach a class of 10 people and they're doing uh, three targets a week, 
and they're doing three pages. That's a lot of data you've got to crunch and you got to look at every page because you got to give the students feedback. They'll, they'll draw something all the Hawaiian words, kapakahe, like all disjointed and, and they think, oh, that wasn't target related, but we know that, well, actually that was, you know, because you, you're the way your subconscious gave it to you. Um, it's, but yeah, we'll, we'll, we'll probably get a class together at some point. We got other people with their hands up. Let's yes. Sasha's had her hand up for a long time. There. Um, hi, Dick. Uh, I have two questions, if that's okay. So my first one has to do with what you've just been talking about in terms of uh, are there differences in accuracy uh, for remote viewers that have been trained in the Hawaiian uh, RV Guild method? And you talked about people, I guess, fading away, disappearing out of remote viewing. And I'm wondering if there is research in other technologies. You mentioned the Persinger's helmet and things like that. And I think it, it seems to me that we are, especially with YouTube, we are kind of in a stage now where people are more likely to build their own contraptions and to develop their own devices. And even for binaural beats, you can find so much online for free. You can also create your own because the, yeah. You can get audio editing software for free as well. So I'm wondering if these people, it's not that they're not remote viewing anymore. It's that they're developing methods that are maybe more effective and they're just trying to stay off the radar from group. I don't know, from, from monitoring, let's say. Um, that's my first question. Yeah, okay, <laughs> let, me, let me answer that. What Glenn always said to us was the best minds in humanity have not tackled remote viewing yet. He says, we were a bunch of soldiers, you know? I mean, we were, this was the military and they had their own take on it, their own uh, specialties, their own uh, talents, but their own limitations at the same time. And Glenn always said that he wanted the civilian world, like, here it is. We gave this to you, take it. What can you do with it? You know, if uh, there was in the men who stare at goats was a general stubblebine said, if I can do that with my mind, what else can I do? So, yeah, we should all be experimenting with this. Um, you know, we're uh, going to try to do tarot card readings at crypto viewing tarot card readings to do financial investments. Why not? There were tarot card readers in the Fort Meade unit um, is it's ultimately what it is, is you communicating with your subconscious awareness. Everybody comes with a subconscious that is part of that all-knowing uh, dimension of consciousness. So, yeah, let's all play with it. Let's all find a better way to do it. Um, well, I, you, yeah. Well, I know the Russians are, there's their Institute for Science. I know they've been doing research on Psy um, that's publicly available. Uh, since the 60s, at least. And I know I was talking to one of the researchers there this week, um, and they're, they're doing really interesting research. They're converting. So we use image targets. They'll convert that image target into a sound, uh, into a sound file. And yeah. then they'll expose their viewer to that sound file. And they're getting amazing results with that. Um, and That's, now they've actually- That sounds really interesting. That's great. Yeah. yeah, they've stepped it up to increasing complexity. So that's where they started, right? Was just using a picture for sound for sound files. But now that 
now they're doing really interesting things with that kind of technology. Um, and so Can you I think- email a link to that to Daz? I'd like to see that. Sure, send, yeah. Yeah, so that Daz will send it to me. That's and really interesting. I feel as though the only reason they're able to do that and talk about it publicly is because they're in Russia. Um, because it seems to me that when I've been doing research on these things, anyone in the English language speaking world, I guess, um, who starts talking about these things at conferences, at events, online, on websites and blogs, they quickly disappear. Whereas this, the, the groups that are in Russia, they seem to be fine to keep publishing and posting. So uh, I'm wondering what's, what's going on there and should I be moving to Russia? <laughs> um, yeah. Russia has some really good remote viewers and they have a lot of sci, uh, uh, yeah. Hitomi did some work with some Russians. She said it scared the heck out of her. They were so good. So yeah, yeah. I'll tell you one thing I've learned from remote viewing is that, how do I put this? The, the world is very well controlled. Um, I did some remote viewing that was got somebody's attention and someone got a hold of me and said, that was really good. That one thing you drew, you drew it exactly. Be careful. You know, uh, Joe McMon. I'm not trying to put myself in Joe McMonagall's uh, realm. He's the greatest, but you know, he got told like, don't do that again. And I, I got told, okay, you can do this, but you got to do it responsibly. Like, don't publish your session on the secret space program. Okay, I won't. So it, it is, um, there is secret knowledge. There are secrets. People can keep secrets. There are a lot of secrets that humanity doesn't know. And um, if you get too close to them, you'll, you'll be told. So yeah, maybe it's, I'd love to hear what those Russians are doing. That sounds really interesting. And then my second question to you, Lynn Buchanan talked about, I think it was their project 2050, and they talked about this massive depopulation um, by 2050, where there was, I think 90% of the world's population was gone. People were living in isolated, um, little off the grid kind of um, homesteads. And, uh, and he said it started uh, in 2020 with a series of plagues. And, and sure enough, we get COVID. So I'm wondering when you're looking at your crypto viewings, uh, are you seeing that reflected in the futures of, of the major coins like Bitcoin, like Ethereum? Are you seeing something that occurs? And because I know that there's one group online that does remote viewing of cryptos and they saw um, that Bitcoin doesn't exist or doesn't matter in 2024. That, that they just, there's, it's just gone. Um, and I'm wondering if you guys are seeing that same information being reflected in your data. Oh, shit. I'm looking at Daz and smiling because I've got to do a remote viewing on a crypto target this afternoon. I did a session and I don't think it was good. I got to redo it. So um, I didn't hear you say that. I don't know. I don't know. I know nothing. I'm I'm a blind remote viewer. So uh, keep posted. Yeah, we do look at uh, about Lynn Buchanan. Lynn Buchanan is one of the 
best people. I, I've, you know, whenever I go to the conferences, I get to know him, talk with him. We have lunch with him. I call him from time to time. What a great man. What a sweet guy. I just love him. He is, um, he's our favorite remote viewing uncle that just really good guy. Um, yeah, I think his remote viewing was right. He's a great, great remote viewer. He, uh, it, we're going to go through some interesting times and tough. And uh, I'll get back to you on that, the crypto stuff. I've got an active target. I mean, I didn't hear that. Didn't. Sounds good. Yeah, thank you. <laughs> yeah, I got it. Let me look at Daz's. Oh, Daz is grinning. See, now this is, <laughs> this is breaking protocol right here. And we used to have this shit happen at HRVG all the time. Is Glenn would come in. And he'd have a target envelope in this little manila folder with an ID on it, you know, and he'd, he'd walk in and that's all he'd have. And we'd, we'd socialize and somebody would, would say uh, like, somebody would blurt out, like, I was just thinking about mother Teresa and whether, you know, I can't give you this target now, you know, and he'd hold it up. So remote viewers are always pinging there's the, the, the little quinky dinks that happen. They're ongoing. So, yeah. Okay. Who else has got their hand up? Uh, Dimi was up next. Hi, Dick. Nice to see you. I wrote my, uh, my, my question on my phone, so I, I will read it. Uh, okay. Two questions. One is very short, and I know you already discussed about that, but I just want to ask... Well, when you are in, RV, in ERV uh, and you want to, to be able to record the data, it is like waking up from a dream and closing your eyes to, so that you can unfold what was important in that dream. That's, that's the first question. Yeah. And um, the second question uh, is, um, well, in my view, uh, the methods used in various RV methods are vehicle type tools that will take you to a certain point or place. So including tie, uh, tapes, rituals, and everybody has something to, to, to work on. So do you think in time when you got better, when you get better uh, on your methods, on your way of being, on your way of, uh, of getting data, uh, do you think you don't need any more of this, uh, like in of yours, or it's become a part of your methods of your RV, even if it's HRVG or CRV or whatever? Yeah. Okay. Okay, that's a lot of good questions. Where are you? In, are you in Russia? Where are you? <laughs> no. Everybody's asking me, but no, I'm Romania. I'm Romania. Oh, Romanian. Yeah. There are some very good Romanian remote viewers. Yeah. Okay. Is it, it's probably uh, bad manners to ask a Romanian if they're Russian. I apologize. Like if somebody, leave, my no, wife no. is Korean and somebody says, oh, are you Japanese? She, no. Okay. No, it's so, okay. Lynn did say the same thing about me. Ask okay. me if I'm from Russia. So it's okay. You have a beautiful voice. Let me see if I remember all your questions. As, as you remote view, you open a communication pathway 
with your subconscious by doing the protocols every day, every day, you, you open that so that in your daily life, it starts leaking through and you realize that and you gain more powers in terms of like waking up. Is it like a dream state or waking up when I remote view it? It's a wide range of sensations. It can be on a bad day. I close my eyes and I don't, you know, Oh, I didn't really see anything, but I got to draw something. So I, I just do it because I've got to do it. And along the way, I might do five pages of data and just go, yeah, it's not happening today. Sometimes I'll just abandon it and go try again tomorrow. Sometimes it is a, a, a reverse image outline. Like I sometimes see people as a glowing shape. Um, sometimes it's like, pretty clear but like looking through vaseline on a lens sometimes it's a little flickering black and white movie on a good time it's uh you're not there you're somewhere else it's like this uh 16 millimeter color movie i did the jfk assassination and i was in dealey plaza i didn't know whether it was a blue sky it was green grass and i went oh my god i'm here uh what do i need to look at there's people over there there's a light post okay the sun is kind of dim but it's a blue sky what am i supposed to see and then i was at my desk and i went what was i supposed to see there so yeah it's like waking up kind of from a dream on a really good day it's not every time it happens that did i answer all your questions there was another question in there i missed uh yes yes thank you what well, okay anything else uh no the second one was um okay no you 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 covered on the first part of the of the of the of your answer it's okay yeah it's it's a uh remote viewing whatever method you use it's an arbitrary means of querying asking a question of your subconscious and requiring an answer. That's why remote viewing is, it's structured psi functioning on demand. So whatever method you use, you are demanding your subconscious to give you some information. You're grabbing that information and you're translating it onto the, onto the page. The more you demand, of your subconscious, the more it will give you. That's the one thing I've learned from the HRVG method is that if any valid data can be obtained via remote viewing, if you can draw an ideogram that is wavy across and the target is water, why limit yourself to just wavy across? You should be able to be there and smell it and know that it's salt water and there's fish swimming over here and there's rocks over here and there's a man throwing a fishing net and you can see it. It's all there. If, if, if you can get that to be in your room and displace your awareness over there and draw wavy across, that's half the battle. 
you've you've done that just continue getting go for more more the the times i daz will back me up on this daz and i have often done this you get target data that suddenly you're on and you run out of steam and you don't keep going and then you turn your target in and you realize if you would have done two more pages it would have been the best stuff you ever you ever got we hate you we don't want to admit that do we Des? <laughs> it's true every every one of us has done that and the other thing is um we just did a remote viewing target and i saw an asian guy and i went that's charlie lee that's charlie lee that invented litecoin and i went no we've done litecoin twice they wouldn't give it to us again and i didn't write that down and the it, target was litecoin and i said charlie lee let's slap myself that's the that's the that's the biggest sin committed by all remote viewers. Yeah, think about it and yet don't write it down. Thank you very much, Nick. Thank you. It was a pleasure. Thanks, guys. And that, uh, Gunther's had his hand up for a very long time. Uh, okay. Gunther. Yes, thank you. Um, I got uh, some very good information in this uh, chat. And uh, first, my question, and then I want to explain why I asked this question. Is there. Um, a manual describing the specialities of your uh, HRV uh, protocol. All these protocols are quite the same, but there are also uh, special things. And I think if we want to um, improve our remote viewing skills, it's necessary to compare the different uh, derivatives and to see what yeah. the best of, of every method. Um, for example, you you told me um, that um, getting visuals means to to access the resource of visual. I yeah. always uh, um, access the resource of audio and uh, smells and taste and and uh, um, high level data, but I never um, access the the resource of visuals because I learned that. Visuals are AOLs and or are, are in danger for AOLs, and so I never tried it. And uh, now I remember um, when they they wanted to get funds at SRI, they uh, declared that um, they don't want to uh, make any exper experiments with parapsychology, but they want to improve perception by reducing the noise. This was a trick. And now I think um, the trick to improve the skills uh, for remote viewing is um, to see that perception works very well, but uh, we are somehow reduced. We are reducing ourselves by belief systems and we are reduced by, um, by everyday practice. And uh, so um, I think we, for example, for speed reading, uh, why are, are um, pupils not uh, taught to, to speed read, where you can take a whole uh, page within three seconds yeah. and you will get... Uh, I, learned, I learned speed reading in uh, ninth grade. 
Yes, and so and, and so you can see we are downgraded somehow. And for example, um, activating these um, superior um, performance by sounds or something like this means that you have to to believe and to know that you are really uh, more powerful than we practice in everyday life. And what you explained about NLP, it it seems it for me it looks like uh, some kind of debug mode. It, it sounds ridiculous, but how can a person show what that she's creating something or that she, uh, the person is remembering something by their by their eye movement? Mm -hmm. It's like a debug mode for a computer program. You can look into the person and see what the person is doing. And for me, it means that uh, it means that. Uh, we are all more powerful, but we didn't find the switches to unleash our real power. And one way to unleash our power is to put all these different derivatives of remote viewing together, to compare them and to identify which <laughs> method does what best. Yeah, that gets back to the statement that I made that the best minds having embraced, yeah, we should be developing remote viewing. This works. What can we do with it? In in terms of a manual, I just pulled out, I have drawers full of notes that I took. We never, Glenn never published a manual because I think he was not allowed to. He always told us you will write your own manual. And you know, what's interesting, you were talking about overlay and I pulled a random page out and it was a note on overlay. We never used the term analytical overlay at HRVG. Uh, one of my notes from years ago, overlay comes when you have an undisciplined approach to the target. Um, you want to learn what, what the target ID is. So um, it's just a matter of, yes, you're going to get target data and you're going to sprinkle sugar on top and you're going to dress it off but if you can name the target why not i need to get those notes out and get those transcribed sometime the the point is to get high level data don't be afraid of high level data we were always encouraged to if it comes by way of a disciplined execution of the protocol methodology keep riding that horse, let it take you all the way home, you know, into the barn. So, um, but yes, I agree with you. Uh, we should have more collaboration between different schools of remote viewing. We should uh, do different tests. Uh, maybe there's something in CRV that is um, superior that if it was combined, and I think I see uh, Edward Reardon, and Naeem doing that kind of uh, morphing technologies into their own, like Edward Reardon has got something, I don't know exactly what he's doing, but he, he gets there, you know, I mean, he'll, he'll have these pages and pages of internal dialogue. And at the end, he'll come up with a statement that is like, wow, just insightful into the target. So, 
uh, yeah, I agree with you. We should all be uh, collaborating and um, advancing this. But there's no a written manual for the HRV method. No, there. Well, there is a written. Yeah, there kind of is. CETA has it, and I I have it too, but it hasn't been published. Um, when CETA teaches, she gives you a step by step. Uh, procedure of what you do and then the reason behind all of it um but it it hasn't been hasn't been published can i get it can you get it um <laughs> let me talk to let me talk to Sita. let me see about that um stay in touch Okay, I will do. Uh, I will give you another example, a very surprising example. Four years ago, I uh, I was at a seminar learning to um, to read with a blindfold. Okay, this is an is another technique. You have that's, a blindfold. That's been done in China and Russia. They take and Russia. It, it was a Russian guy, yes. Yeah, um, yeah. Okay. And um, there was there were some examples or some some training exercises before to train the intuition and one exercise was five different colored cups and five balls and i had a blindfold mm -hmm. uh, on my eyes and uh, my task was uh, to put uh, the the balls of the same color into the fitting um cup in the cup yes and uh, i think it was run over a minute uh, I, I sat there and I did it and, and then I finished it. It was all wrong. And then he told me, okay, take away your blindfold, take a look, and now put on your blindfold and redo the same thing. Then it took 15 seconds. I took the balls, put them in, they were all correct. And this was a very interesting exercise because it showed me that our system, not, not only the subconscious, our conscious system can do whatever you can imagine. If there is something, for example, there's no entity, there is no, um, no thinking. And if there are some things are not there, things very common in everyday life, yeah. then our system is really working in a perfect manner. Um, above all your expectations. And we have to find the switch, how we can switch into a mood that this works. And uh, I have no perfect idea how, how we can do that, but you we have to, you have to, to, like this you have to let the ego go and you have to accept the answer. When we probe an ideogram for a, um, whether it is man-made or natural or complex or simplex you just have to not be afraid of being right or wrong you just have to in that moment that the pen touches the page you just know i do uh daily exercises i have i live in a condominium with um eight parcel lockers maybe ten i should know one two three four five six seven eight when i get a key that I have a package. I don't look at the number. I just see if I can go to the right one. I go, it's that one. Or I go, no, it's that one. So I test myself. When I get on the elevator, I think this is going to stop at the seventh floor and a woman will get on. Am I right? It's the sixth floor and it was a man. Okay, close. Um, 
just little daily, um, give yourself little, yeah, that when you, how would you go about having a red ball, a green ball, a yellow ball, and a white ball, a yellow, green, red, and cup? How would you address that? Um, that would be a very good exercise. We, that was, we did that at the Hawaii Remote Viewers Guild when we were trying to experiment with remote influencing. We were trying to, we actually set this up. We went to a place and we had people at four corners of a room, four different stations, and they would be holding a colored card and staring at it. And we would have to walk up and say yellow, walk over to the next one and go red. I mean, can you do that? We actually drilled on that. Can you enter their field and know the feel in that field of yellow? Can you know the field of green? What does it feel like? How would you address that? It's that information is available if remote viewing works. Um, there's there's just any number of experiments you can do. This is this is this is an amazing field. It's practice. Hmm. Yeah. Well, we'll see about getting you some training in the the manual. I don't. I I think they weren't going to let the manual out without uh, you get taught it. I'll talk to Glenn about that. Okay. I will contact you. Thank you. Yeah. Thanks, guys. Uh, just a couple more to go then. Uh, I know time's getting on a bit. So, Jimmy James, you've been waiting for a while. Thanks, Daz. Very interesting uh, uh, Zoom meeting with Dick. Uh, Dick, I appreciate your comedy you have when you do your crypto viewing updates on YouTube. Uh, I love your guitar. Uh, Martin is awesome. My question to you is, uh, all the years you've been remote viewing, um, have you thought or have a theory about possibly being interfered with? <clears throat> I just had recently a conversation with Daz about this. Ingo believed when he remote viewed um, that the non-humans or whatever you want to call them didn't like it when he remote viewed, so to speak. And uh, at this point in my remote viewing um, career of five years or so, I noticed on a few occasions, I've had some what as referred to as tricksters, which that's a better word than aliens interfering. And I'm just wondering what your take is on that. Thank you. Um, yeah, I've had, I've done a couple ET targets where it was more like, well, son, good nice interesting skill you have now run along like you don't belong here like whoa that's that's pretty cool you you uh you're talented this is not your business um have i had targets being blocked i uh, i did one for crypto viewing where i saw i said i just knew it wasn't as blocked is like i this is information that I probably shouldn't put out, so I'm not going to go there. Um, we were an interesting 
project would be um could i give could i give uh the target of the st louis arch to all of you to all the remote viewers hey i'm running a test would it be possible for me and a couple of other viewers to uh block that in such a way that no one would draw the St. Louis arch that you would draw anything but the St. Louis arch like nobody gets anything an arch near a river could you block that what would it take to uh, how much mental prowess and mental energy um people act like remote influencing is so easy it's just your intent like just think hard enough. It's a lot more difficult than that. We've done some some work on that. Um, the it's interesting interesting concept. I see your stuff on uh, Facebook a lot, RV guy. I know I know who you are. I, I look at your Facebook page. So did I answer your question all right? Yeah, the you know I did a I did a whole project where I made a fake target. I just made something up, but I worked for months on it. I made a dam, a man-made dam, a lake, and I gave it a story. I knew who lived there. I knew what kind of fish were in the lake. I knew what the land was before the lake. I had an artist draw it and, and I gave that and it Des did a follow-up presentation on that. So you can, you can put stuff into the collective consciousness and it will be perceived by viewers. That's uh, that's something we've learned. Yep. Next question. Okay. Next one is uh, John Mark. You've had your hand up there. Oh, thanks. Uh, yeah. Thanks a lot for your time, uh, Dick. A huge fan of um, crypto viewing, and uh, I a couple of years back with uh, Farsight as well. And you know, thanks for Daz for putting all this up. Uh, you know, they're really talented. Um, uh, kind of a follow-up question to uh, what the previous gentleman was saying. Um, so, Dick, you mentioned uh, you can kind of make up a target. So I'm kind of curious, when it comes to, say, a crypto target, would it be possible that people are, say, whether it's a remote viewing session or whether, you know, psychic medium session can pick up um, a scenario where a crypto could, you know, moon rocket only simply because everyone's anticipating it? And it doesn't actually, you know, that's not actually the case, which you think that might uh, be a possibility. Yeah. Yeah, I do. I, I just think remote viewing cryptos is one of the hardest things. And I can't believe I, I, Daz, we've done a lot of them. It's friggin' hard, man. It's so hard. Daz has drawn some charts. We all have charted some cryptos pretty accurately. Um, we're working on that. We early on tried to do price uh, quotes like, oh, Bitcoin is going to hit eight, uh, 12,000 or something. That's so hard. We can't, I can't do that. The cryptos are so volatile. There's so much, like you say, there's so much emotion. There's so much expectation. There's so much chatter about it. There's so much people putting out, um, you know, traders' emotion. Um, the, people talk up a coin that might be a shit coin. So how to, it's the most noisy environment I've ever found in remote viewing. It is just, it's 
worse than a Las Vegas casino. You know, you go in a casino and it's ding, 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 ding. They got noise and lights. You can't find the bathroom. You can't see a clock. You get at a, a table. They'll, you know, there's there's a, a roulette wheel and guys are cheering. It's just ah noise. Cryptos are that times a hundred. You're into cryptos, right? So you know, right, right, yeah. How freaking crazy it is. Right. I mean, there's there's been times where um, you know there's certain psychic mediums that have their own Patreons and Telegram groups, and uh, you know they'll kind of give a you know somewhat of a prediction for the next couple weeks, and that just doesn't happen at all because they said the energy just changed overnight, right? Yep. Yeah. So, it it sure changes on a dime. We did one, we now at Crypto Viewing have a, we're doing an executive summary with a lady that was a military analyst. And two weeks ago, we did one on Saitama and she looked at our data. And one thing she highlighted was, oh, there's going to be legal issues involving lawyers. And two days after we published that, there was a legal issue. So we're better at getting, um, Daz is real good at this. Daz will say the principal founder is not going to be there. There's going to be trouble with him and he's going to leave the organization. There's going to be trouble. There's a fight. I see tension and someone's going to take over. And he's, he said that and it's happened. So that type of thing is easier to remote view, but a price point is like, yeah, Bitcoin will be 59000 for 10 minutes tomorrow and then it'll go to 64 or 50, you know, take your pick. It's, it's, it's tough. Yeah. But yeah. Um, mental noise is the enemy of remote viewing and any noise that is induced by bias, by people being involved, something, the volatility, it just adds more noise, so it, it makes it harder. How can you trust your own predictions, whether it's remote viewing or, say, you know, I predictions? I don't trust my own predictions. Well, okay, I've trusted a couple. Um, we remote viewed Theta, and I, I had a great session. I saw people watching video. I saw it in color. I go, man, these people are watching a screen. This thing is... is uh, it lights up. I'm going to buy this. And I, I, I said, as soon as I find out what this is, I'm going to buy it. And, and we were doing the debrief and they said, it's theta. And I went, I'm buying more of that one. So that one I trusted, but I don't trust my own remote viewing predictions. It's not financial advice. It's, it's an experiment. It's hard. Yeah. It's hard. What do you think is the um, potential of, I guess, human, we'll call it like, uh, intuitive perception from practicing remote viewing? Like, do you think by following the current CRV protocol somehow limits the potential at all? Because you mentioned, you know, Naeem and, and uh, Edward are kind of, kind of veering off with their somewhat new methods or kind of their own style. Do you think by having protocols, it limits people at a certain point? Well, I, I would encourage you not to limit yourself. You have unlimited potential. So use a method that lets you engage your, your potential. Um, 
it's you can do more than you would think you really you really can if you if you if you don't demand it you won't do it and you would be amazed what you could do if if it was demanded of you so um yeah i was if you gave every probe the same focus is like, let's say you're a woman in a bad neighborhood and somebody's breaking into your house and you're hiding in the closet and you're listening to hear if they're coming in to your, to get you. She's giving a hundred percent of her focus to that. Like she's going to hear a pin drop. If you can bring that focus to bear on every protocol of whatever method you use, that's the key to have that moment of complete, that's the most important thing I want to know right now. Yeah, Good luck sense. with your cryptos. You're going to do well. Where are you uh, in Asia? Are you in Asia or? No, I'm in the United States. I live in DC actually. Is it dark there already? Oh yeah, yeah. It's uh, 6 p.m. Oh. here. Yep. If I were staying on the rooftop, I could show you the Washington Monument and all that. Oh, cool. <laughs> yeah. Oh, I was thinking it's dark and I didn't think it would be dark. I, I forget it's winter. I'm in Hawaii. So. Yeah. Yeah. Good old daylight saving. <laughs> yeah. I remember that dark at four 30 in the afternoon. That sucks. Okay. Five in the afternoon. Any other questions guys? This has been really fun. I enjoy this. Yeah. We just got a couple more questions. Uh, okay. One from Cedric and I got one from Reed here, but just okay. before we go on, I uh, uh, just want to let John Mark know that I've just completed a, a, a trial of ARV uh, associative remote viewing, looking at crypto markets, and it's only a, it's only an initial trial run, um, and I'm doing this using a technique in CRV called ideograms, uh, and after the trial run of ten projects, I'm actually running a hundred percent accuracy at predicting uh, crypto markets. But wow. it is only it is only a ten you know it's a very small trial, but it's very encouraging in that. It only takes the remote viewers one minute to do the RV sessions in the uh, analysis is literally a minute as well. So it's, uh, yeah, it's very interesting. And uh, I'm going to, I'm going to put all that out there over the next couple of weeks. Now the 10 trials over and then people can, you know, take it and explore it and run with it if they want. Um, so on next though, we got uh, Cedric. All right. Thanks. Uh, thanks Dick, uh, for a very insightful talk. Here. Oh, but, but, um... You're sharing a lot of information that's fascinating. Uh, you mentioned remote influencing. I was wondering if you could expand a little more on that and has HRVG experience with, uh, with more advanced stuff or techniques beyond just remote viewing, such as, for example, remote healing uh, or, or the other similar stuff. And, and another question unrelated uh, do you think, know, or, or believe that some of the knowledge that entered into the uh, HRVG technique has its roots in indigenous knowledge. I think you're muted, Dick. You're muted, Dick. This is a skill. You're going to have to repeat your first question because I forgot it because the indigenous, I'll, I'll do the indigenous first. Um, this is a skill that humans have had throughout history. 
it's just a new name for it. It's just a new arbitrary way to do it. People have been doing this. Indigenous people would know um, where the water was. You know, they needed to know. There's water over there or there's water that way. The, uh, I talked to a master navigator who was, they uh, navigated vast distances in the Pacific uh, on sailing canoes by the stars in this they they got to one point where they knew from the stars that they were at the latitude of Hawaii and he didn't know if he was to the west of Hawaii or the east so he had to just know that it was over there so it was an intuitive that was a remote viewing query it is a binary Hawaii is that way or that way it's that way and it and it was right so this is this is and I think indigenous people did it much better because they had to. It wasn't shunned. Um, they weren't told they couldn't do it. There have been uh, shaman, you know, shaman and uh, soothsayers and fortune tellers throughout history. Um, what was the first part of your question? The HR, oh, uh, remote influencing? Yeah, but remote influencing, remote healing, if HIV is experienced. No, we never really get, well, what would you, to heal, okay, there was a healing experiment done by Russell Targ, was it Russell Targ, Daz, um, and one of our viewers, Rose Kopp, who was a very good remote viewer, they were trying to give healing energy to someone with a brain tumor. And halfway through the experiment, they got an emergency call and said, don't do any more on this because the people that are doing the healing are, are coming down with brain tumors. And Rose died of a brain tumor. So be careful with that one. Remote influencing, how much gain do you have? That's a I just looked in my um, drawer as I was looking at my HRVG notes from the year 2000. I found a picture. This is really eerie. This picture is, there's a date here. It was uh, uh, something 17th the year. This is from the year 2000. So this is 21 years ago. Why was I wearing a mask? That was me as a young man. And I just found that. That just is freaky. I have no idea why I had a picture of me with a mask. Maybe doing a news story on a medical procedure. But that's creepy. That's I just creepy. have uh, one more question, uh, Dick, and it's been in the chat for a while, and it's from uh, Rid. He says, uh, about uh, learning effects... Was there a learning curve in training HRVG's uh, visuals or were you good from the get-go? Um, how did your skills in seeing or detecting visuals develop over time? Oh, it developed over, over years. It was months before I really... I remember um, the first time I really saw it was... Yeah, it, it took me months. We did... We did just visual ideograms 40 for two months. We did 40 of them. And I was going, I don't see that goddamn thing. You know, I would intuitively draw something, 
but for, to develop it out where I actually see something, it took me quite a while. It took me quite a while. And there, I, I, honestly, there are times when I don't see much. I, I wing it, you know, but there are times when I really do see it. And that's, that's real special. So. Excellent. Thanks for that, Dick. Great answer. Uh, well, I want to say thanks to, you know, on behalf of everyone here, I think they got a, a lot out of this because, you know, as, because you don't have a manual out there, you know, there's a lot of kind of mysticism about uh, the approach that you and Naeem are taking. But uh, maybe you guys can think about maybe, you know, putting one out there for the uh, for the public or a video even yeah. showing how you guys do it. Well, it is. I just cannot stress enough how structured it is there is there's probably 600 individual steps that you're going to do in a full session and every step is sequential to the next one and there is no moment where you're not every bit of data is gotten by the application of a protocol where you are executing a query you're executing a query by probing an ideogram you're executing a query by probing that little Nemo icon, you're executing a query by tapping your finger and looking on Blackboard, you're ex you know, the, the monitor gives you, it's, it's step by step by step by step. It is the most highly structured method that there is. Um, it is very, very detailed. I, I seriously, my notes are like, pages and pages and pages of notes i i need to copy those and publish them anyway thank you all those were great questions you guys are real smart let's uh get together more and develop remote viewing and um i'm impressed by you know don you put something a couple things up that like hey that was good work i i, I wish i you know good stuff yeah Again, thank you, Dick, for this and taking the time with us. That's a, a good two and a half hours there, so thank you for that. Yep. Thanks, everyone, right. for your great questions. Uh, have a good weekend ahead, and we'll see what's coming up over the next couple of weeks. Probably next week we'll do the uh, the predictions, because you guys did the predictions for the, the, the news in November, so we'll, we'll have feedback by then, so we'll go back through those and maybe look at a little bit of the uh, for the ones you guys are doing for December, and then we'll probably take a break then until we come back in, in January, because it's Christmas. Oh. All right? So have a Thanks, guys. You and I got to do Thank our script you. Thank you. you very much. I got to get work. See y'all later. Yeah, take Thank care, you. everyone. Have a good really weekend. Aloha. Bye. Thanks for listening to The Signal Line, a remote viewing podcast. Don't forget to check out remoteviewed.com for remote viewing resources or our videos on YouTube under Remote Viewed.